0: Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll, read to you by Proton Tato. Chapter three. A caucus race and a long tail. They were indeed a queer looking party that assembled to the pack. The birds with traggled feathers, the animals with the fur clinging close to them, and all dripping wet, cross and Comfortable. The first question of Co's was, how to get dry again? They had a consultation about this, and after a few minutes it seemed quite natural to Alice to find herself talking familiarly with them as if she had known them all her life. Indeed, she had quite a long argument with Laurie, who at last turned sulky and would only say, I'm older than you and must know better. And this Alice would not allow without knowing how old it was and, as the lorry positively refused to tell its age, there was no more to be said. At last the mouse, who seemed to be a person of authority among them, called out. Sit down, all of you, and listen to me. I'll soon make you try enough. They all sat down at once in a large ring, with a mouse in the middle. Alice kept her eyes anxiously fixed on it, for she felt sure she would catch a bad cold if she did not get dry very soon. Ahem, said the mouse with an important air. Are you all ready? This is the driest thing I know. A silence all round, if you please. William the Conqueror, whose cause was favoured by the Pope, was soon submitted uh, to by the English, who wanted leaders, and uh, have been of late most accustomed to usurpation and conquest. Edwin and Morcar, the Earls of Messia and Notumbria, said the lorry with a shiver. I beg your pardon, said the mouse, frowning, but very politely. Did you speak? Uh, not I, said the lorry hastily. I taught you this," said the mouse. I proceed. Edwin and Mooker, the earls of Mercia and Northumbria, declared for him and even Stigand, the Patriotic Archbishop of Canterbury, found it advisable. Found what? said the duck. Found it? The mouse replied rather crossly. Of course you know what it means. I know what it means well enough when I find a thing, said the Tuck. It's generally a frog or a worm. The question is, what did the Archbishop find? The mouse did not notice this question but hurriedly went on. Found it advisable to go with Edgar Attiline to meet William and offer in the Crown? Williams conduct at first was moderate, but the insolence of his nomads. How are you getting on now, my dear? It continued, turning to Alice as it spoke. As wet as ever, said Alice in a melancholy tone, it doesn't seem to dry me at all. In that case, said the doder solemnly, rising to his feet, I moved that the meeting adjourn for the immediate adoption of more energetic remedies. Speak English, said the eaglet. I didn't know the meaning of half those long words, and what's more, I don't believe you two either. And the eaglet bent down its head to hide a smile. Some of the other birds tittered oddly. What I was going to say, said the dodo in an offended tone, was that the best thing to get us dry would be a caucus race. What is a caucus race? said Alice. Not that she wanted to know, but the dodo had paused as if it thought that somebody ought to speak and no one else seemed inclined to say anything. Why? said the dodo. The best way to explain it is to do it. And, as you might like to try the thing yourself, some winter day I will tell you how the dodo managed it. First, it marked out a race course in a sort of circle. The exact shape doesn't matter, it said. And then all the party were placed along the course here and there. There was no one, two, three in the way. But they began running when they liked and left off when they liked so that it was not easy to know when the race was over. However, when they had been running half an hour or so and were quite dry again, the dodo suddenly called out, The race is over! And they all crowded round it, panting and asking, But who has won? This question the dodo could not answer without a great deal of thought, and it sat for a long time with one finger pressed upon its forehead, the position in which he usually see Shakespeare in the pictures of him, while the rest waited in silence. At last the dodo said, Everybody has won, and all must have prizes. But who is to give the prizes? Quite a chorus of voices asked, why, she, of course, said the dodo, pointing to Alice with one finger, and the whole party at once crowded round her, calling out in a confused way, Prizes! Prizes! Alice had no idea what to do, and in despair she put her hand in her pocket and pulled out a box of comfits. Luckily, the salt water had not got into it, and handed them round as prizes. There was exactly a piece all round. But she must have a prize herself, you know, said the mouse. Of course, the dodo replied very gravely. What else have you got in your pocket? he went on, turning to Alice. Only a thimble, said Alice sadly. Hand it over here, said the dodo. Then they all crowded round her once more while the dodo solemnly presented the thimble, saying, We beg your acceptance of this elegant thimble. And, when it had finished this short speech, they all cheered. Alice thought this whole thing very absurd. But they all looked so grave that she did not dare to laugh. And, as she could not think of anything to say, she simply bowed and took the thimble, looking as solemn as she could. The next thing was to eat the comfits. This caused some noise and confusion as the large birds complained that they could not taste theirs and the small ones choked and had to be patted on the back. However, it was over at last and they sat down again in a ring and begged the mouse to tell them something more. You promised to tell me your history, you know said Alice, and why it is you hate C and D. She added in a whisper, half afraid that it would be offended again. Mine is a long and sad tale, said the mouse, turning to Alice and sighing. It is a long tale, certainly, said Alice, looking down with wonder at the mouse's tail. But why do you call it sad? and she kept on puzzling about it while the mouse was speaking so that her idea of the tale was something like this. Fury said to a mouse that he met in the house, let us both go to law, I will prosecute you, come, I will take no denial, we must have a trial. For really this morning I've nothing to do, said the mouse to the cur. Such a trial, dear sir, with no jury or judge, would be wasting our breath. I'll be judge, I'll be jury, said cunning old fury. I'll try the whole cause and condemn you to death. You are not attending said the mouse to Alice severely. What are you thinking of? I beg your pardon, said Alice very humbly. You had gone to the fifth bend, I think. I had not, cried the mouse sharply and very angrily. I'm not, said Alice, always ready to make herself useful and looking anxiously about her, oh, do let me help to undo it. I shall do nothing of the sort said the mouse, getting up and walking away. You insult me by talking such nonsense. I didn't mean it, pleaded poor Alice, but you're so easily offended, you know. The mouse only growled in reply. Please come back and finish your story. Alice called after it, and the others all joined in chorus. Yes, please do. The mouse only shook its head impatiently and walked a little What a pity it wouldn't stay, sighed the lorry as soon as it was quite out of sight and an old crab took the opportunity of saying to her daughter, Ah, my dear, let this be a lesson to you, never to lose your temper. Hold your tongue, Ma, said the young crab a little snappishly. You've enough to try the patience of an oyster. I wish I had a diner here. I know I do, said Alice, loud, dressing nobody in particular. She'd soon fetch it back. And who is diner, if I might venture to ask the question, said the lorry. Alice replied eagerly, for she was always ready to talk about her pet. Dinah's a cat, and she's such a capital one for catching mice, you can't think. And oh, I wish you could see her after the birds. Why, she'll eat a little bird as soon as look at it. The speech caused a remarkable sensation among the party. Some of the birds hurried off at once, when old magpie began wrapping itself up very carefully, remarking, I really must be getting home. The night air doesn't suit my throat. And a cannery called out in a trembling voice to his children, Come away, my dears. It's high time you were all in bed. On various pretexts, they all moved off, and Alice was soon left alone. "'I wish I hadn't mentioned Tina," she said to herself in a melancholy tone. "'Nobody seems to like her down here, and I'm sure she's the best cat in the world. "'Oh, my dear Tina! I wonder if I shall ever see you any more.' And here poor Alice began to cry again, for she felt very lonely and low-spirited. In a little while, however, she again heard a little pattering of footsteps in the distance and she looked up eagerly, half hoping that the mouse had changed his mind and was coming back to finish his story.